Welcome to Colliding Lines.
A track called 849 from the album 2 by Codian Trio, uh, which was released on Trust Records in Vienna in 2017. Later, we'll be hearing their new album live at Brockfest, which is on OEM Records. Uh, but first, I have Codian Trio with me here over the internet. Colin Webster, Andrew Lyle and Dirk Seris. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks Hello. for being on the show. Hey. <clears throat> Hi, Martin. The band, the band is, what, five, six years old now? How did the band come about? How did you start? How did the trio come into existence? That's a long time ago. <laughs> mm. um, I, I guess it was after I met uh, Colin at the Dead Neanderthals Endless Void performance. And we um, saw how it clicked. And we started to talk about doing something together. And then probably somehow, I think Colin dropped the idea of introducing Andrew to us, I think, as a trio, maybe something like that, no? I think we, we played, think we, we, um, we did the quartet gig at Cafe Otto, didn't we? That With was, um, yeah. John Dyke as well. Uh, that was the first time we all played together. Yeah, we did the uh, quartet at Odo the day after I recorded with John and Steve Noble. And... Uh, with you guys as a quartet, with uh, with Andrew, you and John Dykeman as a quartet, which finally then appeared on uh, Apparitions. 
And from that moment on, I think our trio was born, more or less. Yeah, and then we came back and recorded that first, the first album, Cody and One. And that's five years ago, or six years, almost uh, this year is it's six, the sixth year, I think, of our existence. So eventually, Live at Brack will be the only fifth anniversary show we, we did in 2020. So the release or the album became more significant now because of the fact, you know. Yeah. So you, you hadn't met before you played that gig in Cafe Otto. Now you all play in various different groups together, separately. How does Cody and Trio differ from other groups that you play in? And in that, I mean... Because it's a, it's a band and often in like improv, you have kind of loose groups of people that come together for a project and then sort of dissipate. Whereas this is something that's kind of, I mean, you've got, this is release number seven, mm. you know, is it different? Is it? Well, I think this is the, the way it's different is, um, I think the idea from early on was trying to make it, uh, yeah, a, a sort of working band, um, you know, obviously, it's all improvised music. It's not in that yeah. same sense of you know we have our have our our hits, but um, having like a consistent sort of lineup that that keeps working together and and keeps trying to grow and develop, uh, as opposed to uh, a situation where you're continually uh, chopping and changing or like only meeting up every so often. Uh, so we sort of try and uh, try and work a bit more intensively um, and sort of do you know, m more dates together and, and, and try and, um, and sort of have a, try and get more of a group sound, I guess, as mm -hmm. opposed to just an ad hoc group sound, I suppose. Yeah. I guess we've always like, apart from this past year, we've at least done two tours a year, you know, as a, as a group. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got, I mean, there's, there's been a studio album and a live album almost every year. That leads to the question, is there a plan for a studio album to complement Live at Brockfest? I think we, we'd love to do it, I think. I mean, at least I would, but but, yeah, of course. but we are forced by uh, other things, unfortunately, at this yeah. point, you know. But what I wanted to say is also, the f you know, talking from my own experience with, with Korean Trio is that what I find so important, so essential with this trio is that in the beginning, you know, when I was introduced to free impro music, I got this, you know, huge hunger to play with as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Just to gain, of course, experience, but also just it's almost like getting that quick fix in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and I, you know, and I can play with them and I can play with them. But at the end, more, more and more, you started to feel like that, that really didn't took you that far as you wanted to in terms of experience and growing as a musician. And I felt that Gordian Trio, you know, still gives me that way more, you know, satisfaction in terms of growing. And, you, and I think personally, you can really hear that also in our studio albums, in our live performances. I totally, um, yeah. I totally agree. You can totally yeah. hear it. Yeah. A, the sound is, yeah, it just becomes more and more focused, I think. Exactly. And, and, and also with still, you know, almost no boundaries we discuss up front, you know? So there is, it's almost like a sort of an, um, you know, a subliminal, you know, link between us growing and growing that it ties the music, you know, of Codeon Trio more as a, as a, as a unity, you know? And, mm -hmm. and to me, that's very important. And, and I think that's for every, every one of us that we start to be very comfortable in the aspect of playing as as Codeon Trio, and the funny thing is, is or the pleasant thing is, when you meet each other. For instance, suppose now with the lockdown, you know, we are forced not to, you know, not to see each other because we are all in our own, you know, countries. Of course, you are in the same country, but still, you know, you're not allowed to play, or at least not officially. And then, you know. And but I'm I'm sure from the moment we get back together, whether it's at the end of this year or maybe next year, I don't know. Korean Trio will be there immediately on the spot again, because it has been a working band already for yeah. you know five years. You build that kind of consciousness together, I think mm -hmm. you know, and that's and that you can't do with when you when you are an ad hoc musician going from one unity in unit to another. 
that's true. My my opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. Tell me about uh, <clears throat> the Live at Brockfest album, maybe a little bit about Brockfest as well. Brock is a um, uh, concert series that I've been organising with Kath Roberts and Tom Ward, and we've been doing it for, uh, I don't know, uh, three years or maybe more. I'm not sure exactly. Um, and we basically organise these very small um concerts in a beer shop uh in broccoli where i live in london and um and it's always duos we each each of us myself Kath, and tom always choose a different partner to play with and we kind of do it every kind of six weeks or so um and then we decided to kind of expand it a bit and put on like a uh, mini festival like an all day kind of thing um at 100 years gallery um and the, the idea behind that was because obviously in the beer shop we're kind of restricted uh in terms of how many people we can have playing we yeah. really have two so we thought this is a chance to get um you know get some bands in get some larger ensembles in so uh so yeah cody and trio was part of the lineup for that we kind of each um, kind of curated it in a way where we would each kind of choose a duo to play and then each choose like a larger group to play. Um, so, yeah, that's so Koji and Trio was one of my picks, obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just a great day. We had kind of like an afternoon session and an evening session, and um, yeah, a whole bunch of really diverse music, um, all all improvised music, but kind of really spanning, um, you know, what, what you, how you could, uh, define that, I guess, in a way you kind of had, um, you know, found sounds and people like playing stuff they found on the Thames river bank. And, um, and then obviously the more, you know, regular kind of guitar, saxophone, drums as well. So I don't have any more questions. I was going to say what's in the pipeline, assuming there is a pipeline, but I mean, we don't know, do we? Because I know a lot of people have been using lockdown to uh, put things out that maybe hadn't they hadn't had time to to work on, or things that have been sat on a hard drive. I got a new solo album out. It's called Versus Amp. It's it's amplified baritone on LP. It's a little bit different from um, other stuff. I also think that the lockdown definitely offers a few opportunities you're not not really like to go through your hard disk and maybe release those things you actually didn't want to release in the first place yeah but actually do something like self-research in a way you know like for instance colin did the album was probably already recorded before lockdown i think the the versus m yeah i'm planning a seven volumes of solo guitar albums seven mm -hmm. Seven because I have seven wow. archtop guitars, so I want okay, to do okay. for each, each archtop guitar. I want to do one. I know, I know, but um, <laughs> but this is something I want you to need really. More guitars, mate. Yeah, no, no, no. Seven. <laughs> Seven's a lucky one, number. That's good. Yeah, one per, for every day in the week, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, I mean, yeah. I, I'm forcing myself to actually do that self research mm. in the time we're in lockdown because you can do you can go to a studio and actually do solo recordings that's no problem mm. and it's somehow generated with me you know this idea is why don't i do you know like a series of vinyl records purely based on solo recordings yeah and not not for me personally but also you know like there will be you know or there, there's now out you know like a double bass solo double bass by Gonzalo Almeida and i hope there will be one of you know Colin and also you know i would love to have which you don't have that much like a drum solo album yeah i'd like to do that yeah mm -hmm. so the lockdown thing maybe accentuated the importance of now and then a solo album especially for free improvised musicians, because it's like a sort of essential test for your own capabilities and how you, you go, you know, into that zone and, mm -hmm. and respond to anything else than yourself, mm -hmm. because you don't have your sparring partners there. You don't have your, you know, communicators. So and I think that's a really, you know, the lockdown thing has brought up that little bit of advantage there. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how you, you guys think about that, but I felt that this, lockdown period in the beginning it was quite 
confrontational, quite heavy. But at a certain time, you know, you started to rethink and reevaluate what what your life is about and how you actually were going sometimes over the limit of your own capabilities as well. Because, you know, like I am always very ambitious in the way that I want to play as much as I can. I want to release as much as I uh, can and, you know, and, and more and more and more and more to the extreme. And s- somehow this lockdown, uh, you know, helped me to actually come back to that and say, no, I think it's better to focus on a couple of really good things. Like, for instance, Codian Trio, invest more money in that, invest more time in that, then actually try to expand as far as you can with as many projects as you can. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, for me, that has been really a very essential wake-up call. Mm. I mean, in a similar way, um, it was definitely a wake-up call for me in terms of why I play. So, like, you know, if, you, if you're basing your entire reasons why you play on performing and performing for other people, mm then when it gets stripped away, it's pretty devastating. But um, trying to reassess and think, you know, I, I play the instrument because I love the instrument. And that's the, that's the baseline. Mm-hmm. That's why I play. And everything else that happens from that is a, is a, a bonus. And it, you know, makes it even better. But for me, it was just, just sit down and play the drums as much as possible all the time, if I can. And just re- get get a sense of that kind of um that that reason for playing yeah which was was quite important so then when we do come back together and and record or play it's going to be it's going to be even better yeah yeah i think i was thinking about this yesterday as well because obviously now we're gonna uh be in i mean this is obviously this lockdown is dragging on longer than anyone predicted and pile brexit on top of it we're gonna like not be having the same opportunities that we had before mm. to perform um, and travel, I think become more like what, what Andrew says, you, you're going to end up playing just for the fun of playing, which is mm-hmm. actually great in a way um, that you, you can just kind of pure thing of, uh, you know, like back when you were a kid, just, you know, I'm just playing with my friends because mm-hmm. I like it. I've not got any kind of um, end goal. Yeah. Um, just, uh, yeah, so, yeah. It could, could be nice. That might be a nice note to end on. Colin, Andrew, Dirk, thanks for being on the show. Um, thanks for having us. Hopefully we'll see you soon in, in real life. IRL. Let's hope so. For sure. Nice.
Our show continues after this commercial break. Gliding Lines is an international arts collective representing 11 artists. As well as radio, we produce books, we produce tapes, and we produce live shows. Colliding Lines is not only motivated by love and passion, but also by caffeine. And if you'd like to contribute to the latter of these, you can do so via the website ko-fi, which is ko-fi.com. Ko-fi allows independent artists to support their work they do when there's no clear way to monetize it. You go to the website, you buy us a coffee, and you help make the magic happen. Contributions can be as little as £3, as £1, or as £5, and we really, really appreciate it. We appreciate everyone who listens, everyone who engages with our work. Having a small bit of income coming in does help us pay for our overheads, our website, our running costs, and obviously for our coffees. You can find us on Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash collidinglines. That's ko-fi.com slash collidinglines. You can also find us on the internet at our own site, which is www.collidinglines.com. And in the bottom left corner, there's a little coffee cup saying support us. In browser, you can donate just a few pounds to help us keep running. Thanks very much, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. I'm here with Marco Skarasac and Abdul Mohamem, who are releasing their album Zero Out on OEM Records in March. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming along. Is this your first outing together? I met uh, Abdul and uh, his original music in my first uh, uh, participation at MIA. And a pro- improvised music uh, festival in Atogia da Baleia in, I don't know, 2011. 
from then uh, on, from then on, we established established uh, a great friendship uh, and uh, uh, with a good musical exchange. Uh, well, this re uh, record in particular. Uh, uh, was possible because I, I went to, to do a research work in Switzerland uh, and then decided after this uh, to do a mini tour uh, between Switzer Switzerland, uh, Portugal and Italy. Uh, well, uh, we, we talked uh, and uh, we arranged the recording and uh, it was really incredible uh, section. I, I remember the um, first time I, I heard about Marco and his work, work was, well, was Mia. And I think before Mia, you had put out uh, a record, the Sonax Trio on Creative Sources, yeah. which called attention to a friend of mine. And he had a blog at the time a quite influential blog uh, in, in Portugal called uh, uh, Jazz Yardorj, meaning jazz and out the outs and outskirts, and uh, he highly lauded uh, Marco's work and the trio. And then what happened was that Marco, and this is important to say, he invited the uh, well, a kind of a committee of Portuguese improvisers and uh, Rui Eduardo Paes the critic, and it was like, I think, the first major meeting or, or travel of, of Portuguese improvisers to Brazil, to, yeah. to um, Belo Horizonte. This was, I can't recall, what was the year, Marco? Oh, uh, 2014. 14. And so we 14. were there for, for nine days, uh, improvising, playing, exchanging. Uh, we had met before, of course, and... Um, and um, there was immediately a great rapport between Marco and myself, and we recorded in Belo Horizonte at the time uh, with, with yeah. uh, Carlos Zingaro, the, the Portuguese violinist, and and uh, and ever since Marco and I have been kind of entertain. I mean, you know, have I entertaining this idea of uh, meeting and recording, and uh, always looking forward for the. Opportunity and, and it finally yeah. arrived, um, and the, yeah, yeah, the result is incredible. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, tell me a little bit more about the record. Where I mean, the yeah, the set, the space, I, the space sounds amazing, and I've seen pictures of this studio. It looks just like an incredible place to to be to create. The, the Namush is is uh, just by the, uh, in Lisbon by the zoo, and uh, it's it's one, it's one yeah. of the old recording studios of Lisbon, and and one of the few remaining ones of, of the original you know major studios. And uh, the engineer Joaquim Monte is, is a good friend and, and part of the furniture, so to speak. And uh, the place has a certain mystique as it, it's recorded everyone. Uh, you know, as far as uh, improvised music is concerned. We recorded an album together uh, called The Rumor uh, with the participation uh, of uh, ah, exactly. Chagas and uh, Gloria Damijan. Damijan, uh, yes. Damijan, yeah. yeah. But uh, we, we always uh, talked about uh, the possibility to record it together because uh, I felt the music of Abdul is more near nearly if, um, the spirit of uh, improvisation is very close. For me, the greatest affinity was um, the way Marco listens, you know, with extreme uh, sensitivity and, and intelligence and, and a sense of space and the ethics of listening to the other, you know. Uh -huh. And that was one big aspect of it, apart from the, the human... Uh, aspects of uh, us being friends and sharing uh, tastes, opinions, and, and so forth. And then another aspect which I think is very important is the fact that both Marco and I build our own instruments, you know, and that's yeah. something, this, this, this tectonic of Marco's always fascinated me, uh, how he can, you know, turn the most uh, 
unassuming or uh, unsuspecting uh, uh, material objects, you know, uh, throwaways, mm -hmm. garbage if you have it, and make this incredible, incredibly um, sounding uh, uh, instruments. And, and how those I instruments then become part of his own very personal discourse. Mm -hmm. and, and this, I think, in a way, I think, uh, is was not my approach also. I also am a luthier. I build my own instruments. And I think that gave us an extra bridge, you know, mm -hmm. of, of, um, of, of awe of, of each other's uh, work and you're almost, approach. You're almost building your own space, in a way. And at the end of the day, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's what it yeah, comes to, oh. yes. Oh, that's really cool. Because I mean, listening, you're just you're just constantly thinking. Well, what? I just I have no reference to what's going on, really. Like you, they're just. It's almost like uh, like acousmatic music or music concrete or something like that, where you just they're just sounds, and you don't really understand where they come from. You're just listening to. It's quite a sort of pure composition in a way. You're listening to sounds in a space that are being composed and and you just it, it's yeah it's quite a pure experience in a way well i always think that improvisation uh, can be a form of composition uh, mm -hmm. this uh, our case uh, is uh, is an example i think but uh, in improvisation the experience whether of listening or the musical interaction and the event itself uh, are parts of morphology. The thing about our type of improvisation is that, is that we are not using musical notes. So, you know, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, which uh, in, in a certain sense is, is an extreme abstraction because you're reducing all the universe yeah. of, uh, of possible frequencies to, you know, a very short uh, sequence or series. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in a way, I sort of make it's probably not a very good analogy, but I compare what we, I would say what we do as compared to um, music per se, uh, music in the sense of uh, with, with with the you know the chromatic scale, uh, is that um, there's a there is a certain degree of abstraction, which would be like you know abstract art. You have abstract art and you have figurative art, mm -hmm. so. My parallel would be that uh, music that comes from the uh, from the chromatic scale or from the diatonic scales or what what have you or the modes uh, that would be a sort of way a certain there's certain figurative quote unquote aspect to it and then what we do is just um, it, we don't need that not say that it's better or worse for that mere fact it has it's not a question of category it's just a question of of approach. Mm -hmm. But there isn't the necessity to use notes or music of, of I mean, mm -hmm. uh, notes of a certain or musical notes of the, that you put on on a stave. Many times the the, the process of improvisation, uh, like uh, in in January reverse huh. of uh, the composition, because uh, the composition is a project. The music. Uh, built by the experience, by the interaction, by the listening. When we record the improvisation, we do the reverse. The, the, the music is here, mm -hmm. but uh, we need to, to many times separate the mat material, like a concrete music, né? the object, mm -hmm. the material reorganized to create a process of composition. I think when you're mixing that there is a, a compositional process going on. A, a recording is a, is a totally artificial mm -hmm. situation. It's not like you record a concert, you, you can put a, a stereo microphone and, and what you hear is what you get. I mean, you, meaning, you know, what you see is what you get, meaning that what's on the stereo recording, that's it. In our case, we were we are using you know quite a few mics in, 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 a, in mm -hmm. a studio that allows that, and then in the process of mixing, you, you I think what Marcus is saying that you have it's like a stone and you're sculpting. It's, it's an, a subtractive process. Mm -hmm. You're taking away uh, certain uh, frequencies that are are not allowing the clarity or the music to to breathe and to to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. I think. 
this was this is the part of the that process to make it to clarify uh, what was actually going on mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i think uh, in in our case uh, we recorded then distanced ourselves uh, from that material mm. uh, after a long time uh, we heard it again i remember uh, i did an exercise exercise of uh, listening and editing the material trying to understand the possible music uh, uh, after this uh, abdu did a sculptural work uh, of mixing uh, and mastering, uh, of wonderful words, uh, uh, and uh, and after this, uh, then uh, one more listen uh, to realize uh, the resulting aura that will lead to choice a name of album, the spirit of the project to do a a, a name uh, because this I, I think. Uh, like a, a reverse January, we listen to the the music, uh, mixing and mastering, and uh, and uh, identify what this music is saying to us. So it's almost like it's a pro- it's simultaneously a process of kind of deconstructing and reconstructing in a way. It's like taking things yes. apart and putting them back together and yes. mixing well, and remixing. Exactly. Because you know, if you think about it. In the recording session, there a reality is going on. You know, we are yeah. playing in simultaneous, and this was told. This music is totally improvised. There was yeah. absolutely no talking whatsoever before. You know, there was nothing. Uh, so it's 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 uh, the process is one of listening and and reacting, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Uh, but so it's a, it's a very what we are doing is what we're doing. That's it. Period. But then, of course, the the uh, as I saying, the recording has you know you have like eight, eight microphones, so you have this incredible amount of material. So what do you keep and what do you th- throw away? So it, basically, it then it becomes a subtractive process. Mm-hmm. So there's not much processing of the sound or layering or anything like that, or is it? It's just editing, cutting down. No, no, just cutting, no, no, just no. just just cutting down. So what wow. what? You hear is what we were playing in simultaneous periods, and there is no, no, no. There and 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 it's important to note that we don't use pedals, effects, anything. You know, I have, uh, I have volume, I have volume, I have volume, and you have acoustic instruments. So, so it's just it. it's about mic placement and decisions, and that's yeah, it. yeah, mic yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. So there's no processing, there's no overdubbing, none, none whatsoever. Oh no, no. no. So wow. what Marco was saying is that we, we decided which were, you know, okay, we discarded some of the material that we, we didn't find so interesting. We had, sure. what, a three-hour three hour session, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, yes. So, and and yes. Uh, Marco was, was, did this, this initial selection. You know, I, I wanted him to, um, uh, you know, I felt that it would be nice for, for his sensitive, you know, his, his feeling about this. And... Um, <laughs> Because you know, I, I, I how much I, I, I respect and, and trust his, his good judgment. So it, it's uh, then I just, I just did the, the, the polishing it up a bit. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have I have a little. We have a, <laughs> a friend we have here. A cat. The, we have the a pussy cat. cat always yeah. comes yeah. to these meetings. It's, it's inevitable. <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything else you want to? To add, I mean, what's what's your approach to improvisation? Oh, uh, well, uh, for me, improvisation as an event. Uh, uh, for me, it is uh, one uh, on the one hand uh, dealing uh, with uh, uh, frames that are generated and uh, become dancer in the improvisation game and uh, surfing over. Uh, then, uh, as in a wave emotion. On the other, on the, on the other hand, for me, it is always a, a ritual uh, that uh, allows me, uh, with the involvement of listening and performance, to reach uh, as another plane of perception and uh, awareness. Well, I, I agree totally with with Marco. I, I think there's a, there's it's 
special time and space, and there is something well ritualistic, not necessarily in a, in a liturgic, uh, religious sense at all, but in one of uh, one of, of gathering and and uh, and transporting as if by hypnosis or by trance, more trance yeah. than the word to to another plane of consciousness but not in the not in the this uh obscurantist sense i mean in the sense that yeah. it's a it's a perfectly uh, human and accessible experience yeah but that you, you can yeah. only achieve it by sharing something as magical as music or sound yeah. in the moment with people you trust and understand because you know improvisation is not just Playing anything, it's, it's, it's yeah. not about that. It's, you know, yeah. there, there are a lot of unwritten rules and and and, and protocols mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, uh, and uh, you you just don't get that magic to happen with anyone. You know, it's it's it, it's mm -hmm. it's uh, it's very important who you choose to improvise with. Yeah. You know? Many times uh, I, I think uh, the improvisation is an art of, uh, uh, to, uh, of to create the time and the space inside the time and the space. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would exactly very very nicely put. Nice. Yeah. Cool. No, that is good. I I was just thinking about how, on the one hand, it improvisation is not just the responsibility of the musicians it's also about the audience and the audience participates as much i think as the musicians do you know it, it you as a listener you have to bring something to the table otherwise it doesn't it kind of doesn't work um and also how often when you do go to a concert and it it finally kind of comes to an end. There's, it, it's like there's this feeling like people have just woken up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In, in yeah. one concert, we we, we 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 finished, you know, and it took a whole minute for the audience to to react with yeah. with the applause, you know. And I thought that was a really good sign. Yeah. Because they because wherever you went, they went too. They, they went know? too. Yes. Yeah. And you feel that yeah, as, a, I, I, as, a, as a performer, you feel that you feel yeah. if they're with you or not, mm -hmm. and if they're yeah. not, you're fucked. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, uh, I need uh, some time to back uh, uh, after the improvisation. When the the uh, improvisation uh, happening, because many times. Uh, uh, the improvisations not happen. Uh, the um, the uh, not create the time inside the time is more cerebral the reacting. But uh, when the the improvisation happen uh, for me, uh, I need uh, uh, more time to back uh, mm -hmm. uh, to to talk with the other people's. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, go, going going to sleep at night after a concert is kind of difficult because your adrenaline level is high, you know. But, there, yeah. but there's, it's, I, I feel that there's, a, well, there's many types of concerts, but there are some in which, you know, you come to the end and you're like, you're exhausted. You say, oh my God, that was so difficult. That it was so, I was so tense all the way through, you know, mm -hmm. it was, and you would think, you know, the ob obvious outcome of that was that the music would be disastrous. No, it doesn't, not necessarily. You know, you can, you can l then listen later and say, wow, that was really good. Or, or mm -hmm. you can come out saying, wow, that was so easy. It was so, so, <laughs> so easy. And, and, and yeah, and then it can be good. And of course, and then there are days where, you know, things don't go. It's improvisation, hell, you know, yeah. it can't be always yeah. good. But it, you can have both sensations, you know, one of, mm -hmm. of, of yeah, you're certain that it was a good concert. You know, you're you're you know it. Yeah. And others, you say, "Wow, that was so difficult." You know, the uh -huh. the, the, the the edges, the 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 quirkiness, uh -huh. yeah. the, the the ends we 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 had to back out of. You know, yeah. 
but that can make a lot of interesting music. I guess there are, yeah, there are many possible paths. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, um, I'm conscious that I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but what, um, yeah, what other projects do you have in the pipeline? Assuming that there is a pipeline. I hope uh, we can play it together after the, the pandemic, <laughs> the pandemia. I hope to play a duo and record it many, many times because uh, uh, it's very good, the sensation, the music, uh, the, the state of music. I, I think we manage the energy that uh, we create uh, when when we improvisate improvision. I'm working in a, uh, in a project of sound sculpture installation to an exhibition in Switzerland uh, at the at, uh, end of the year. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it will happen, depends of the way of pandemic. I'm sure we will play, it's just a question of when. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> And of course, I'm uh, very much looking forward to, to playing any, every and any time with, with Marco. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, here, uh, somewhere in Europe, in Brazil, where, where, wherever it may be. And uh, he always surprises me with, with new instruments, new materials. What doesn't surprise me is always his capacity to use them judiciously and to listen with a high degree of, of alertness, which is always a pleasure to experience. As regards to new projects, uh, I'm uh, fi mixing now, finishing the mix of a trio with uh, Fred Lomberg Holm, the, the cellist, the American cellist, mm -hmm. and Carlos Santos. Mm -hmm. And in June, there may be, um, I think, well, it's, 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 uh, it's a question of getting the, the date down, uh, a seminar and a concert with uh, Lionel Marchetti from Lyon. He's a composer and... Uh, an improviser to improvise he uses uh, the revox the recording machine but anyways i'm very excited with the uh, with the work with with marco and and really looking forward to seeing it released yeah. on, on your which label. is out on the 26th of march i think fantastic yeah. wow yes cool and uh, and uh, it's you know it's, it's an ex very exciting project so. yeah. yeah yeah it's a great it's a great sounding record
end of part one.